and you open that door, you open your life, you say, God, come on in. Do what it was you, were, you intended to do in creation. Um, come on in. If you open that door, I will come in and I will eat with you <laughs> and you with me. And what that means to me, to me, there's nothing more intimate and there's nothing more extraordinary than sitting there with somebody, uh, eating good food together, enjoying conversation with each other, getting to know each other. The more you eat with a person, the more intimate and deep it becomes. The more you feel uh, relaxed and okay to tell them the various things going on in your life and, and they communicate with you. And, and, and that's why I, I say what he's saying here is, listen, I, I, I'm standing at your life's door. And if you'll just open up your life to me, I will come in. And we'll eat together. We'll do lunch. In the King James, it says we'll sup together. Um, I'm not sure exactly what. I guess that's where we get the word supper. <laughs> and so, but that's what God wants. And I'll ask you right now, before we enter into the kind of the, the core of the sermon, do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there a friendship with Jesus Christ? Do you sit and eat at his table and you invite him to come eat at your table and you eat of the wonderful food that he has to offer you? And do you have this wonderful conversation with him where you're sharing yourself with him and he's sharing his love and his grace and his word with you? And you gotta understand, that's what he wants. Um, if you're not sure... And I think the best thing to do is just say, okay, God, I'm not sure. So often, I know this has been one of the hardest things for me as a Christian, is to develop a friendship or a really intimate, enjoyable relationship with God. Because from the beginning, I'm a doer. I'm a task-oriented person. And so for me to be in right relationship with God, I'm doing stuff. I'm doing his will. I'm preaching his word. I'm winning souls. I'm leading people in Christ and in the word of God. And, and that's all good stuff, but that's a result or a consequence of my relationship. It's not my relationship. And for me, I have to concentrate on that relationship and make sure that that intimacy is there because I'm not good at being intimate with anybody. I love my wife and son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren, but I'm not real good at intimate relationships and, and, and I have to concentrate. Some people, that's their natural, that's their personality. That's who they are, that intimacy, that depth. They, you know, I'm in love with Jesus. I, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what? You know, but, it, but this is very important. And, and I'm kind of asking you today to examine your life because it's important and it's vital for you to have that friendship, that one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to start there because it's really the key uh, to what um, this whole passage, this whole paragraph in Revelation is all about. 
Uh, John, who is the author, uh, they call him the revelator. He reveals what God reveals to him. Um, John, the author, uh, is communicating um, uh, to the church in, in, in what they call Laodicea. And today, Laodicea would be found in what we call Turkey. And he's, he's communicating to them. And he's saying, listen, church, I know your deeds. And I want to stop right there for a second and say, sometimes, you know, people say, well, it's, it's your intent. It's not what you do. Let me help you with something. What you mean to do, you do. <laughs> and I, I think there's a real problem in religion and church where there's this divide between, you know, well, God doesn't judge what you do. Well, yes, he does. He judges us according to our deeds. He blesses us according to our deeds or, or not. And, and so uh, God is saying to the church in Laodicea, I see what you're doing. And that's, that's very, very important for us to understand because too often we think, well, we can intend to do something or we can talk about doing something and that's enough. And I'm not 100% sure that it is. But he says to the church in Laodicea, I, I see your deeds. I see what you're doing. And, and he looks at the church and he says, listen, guys, you need to understand something. The way I assess you, and this, it seems like he's frustrated with the church at this point, is you are neither hot nor cold. You're just kind of there. You're just kind of existing. And I think it's important for us to examine our lives. God says, listen, I would much rather that you be fully hot or fully cold because this lukewarmness is a death knell. It's a serious problem. It's something that God even says, listen, this lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach and I will spit you. Actually, it says vomit you out of my mouth because you're kind of nothing. You're kind of there. Um, you, you know, you might talk about things, but you don't actually do anything. And this is, this is a huge deal. So much of the American church, it's probably worldwide, but I know the American church. We go to church. We might throw a little money in the offering. And then we go to church and we might throw a little money in the offering. And if if something really is our, our, something we really would enjoy, we go, but, but that's about it. The whole concept of denying yourself and taking up your personal cross and following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ doesn't even seem to occur to people today in the church. They just kind of look at you like, what? You know, you know, when, when they say you're supposed to be like Jesus Christ, you're created in the image of God and you're supposed to live like him and love like him and think like him and treat people like he treats them. It, it's not even a thought. It's not even a part of our thinking. And basically, I think that's what the church kind of makes people. I think the church kind of says we're here to gather a crowd.
And whatever we have to do, whatever we have to sing, whatever we have to say, whatever we kind of accoutrements we must have, whatever kind of donuts or coffee uh, that we must have, whatever children's programs or youth programs or buildings or, or whatever, whatever we need to do, whatever we have to do to gather a crowd, that's okay. But the problem is, I'm afraid that God sits up in heaven and says, wait a second. My son sacrificially came down through the heavens, dealt with everything that you people deal with, suffered and died the most excruciating death in human history, rose again on the third day. I send my Holy Spirit so you can sit and enjoy church. Church, you who call yourselves Christians, you really need to pray about this. You really need to think about this. Are you taking the wonderful gospel, the wonderful blessings of God and sharing them with friends and family and neighbors and workmates? Are you taking what God is pouring out into you and going out into a lost world and loving them and dying for them the way Jesus Christ did? Or have you come to the point where somewhere in your spiritual mind, sitting in church, throwing a little money in the offering, coming to things if, if it's exactly what you want it to be, is okay? It scares me, friends. It really does. Because that concept of cold or hot is very apparent in the American church because what's happening is, well, I don't want to be cold, but I don't want to be nuts about this thing either. I don't want to be hot. And Jesus is saying, oh no. The most dangerous place to be is in the middle. The most dangerous place to be is giving God your leftovers and nothing else. The most dangerous place to be is kind of being a Christian. And it's not real. And I'll say for you who are moms and dads and aunts and uncles, we all want to feel like our children and our grandchildren and our family is, is saved. And they go through the motions 10 years ago and they tell you they're saved. But when Jesus communicated to the church of Laodicea, what he said was, well, it's okay because 10 years ago you went through the motions and you had a little cry and you told everybody you were saved and you tell people you're saved today. No, what he said was, I see your deeds. I see who you are. And it's not right. You're not doing God's will. You don't even care if you're doing God's will. You have no real passion to be in God's word and do God's will and truly be God's man or truly be God's woman. Lukewarm is not where you want to be. And I pray this morning that you examine your life. I pray this morning that you look at yourself and say, not what my intent, my intent is or my talk is, what am I doing? Am I doing what God has called me and gifted me to do? Or am I just kind of sitting around watching other people do the will of God? The second thing that uh, John communicates to uh, the angel of the church of Laodicea 
is, listen, folks, you think you have everything. You think you're just fine. You got a little money. You got a little status. You got a building. You got things going on. Uh, you, you, you've got the organization. <coughs> you keep the wheels turning. You dot most of your I's and cross most of your T's. But the reality is you don't have anything because you think you've got something. And he says, listen, I want you to understand you're poor. You're wretched. You don't have anything. Basically, it says you're naked. You're exposed. You can go around and you can fool yourself thinking, I've got my act together. I've got everything I need. I'm okay. And what God's saying is, if you're depending on yourself or your money or your status or your stuff, then you need to understand you have nothing. Nothing at all. You're in a dynamic of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness and you're in trouble. It's kind of the same thing as the, the lukewarmness. You're in a position of somehow thinking you've got your act together. You've got everything you need. And God's saying, no, you don't. And he goes on and he, and he says this, and it, 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 it's, it's a really important verse. In verse 19, he said, listen, because I love you, I'm telling you this. Because I love you, I'm bringing this discipline into your life. I want you to understand that this lukewarmness, neither hot nor cold, and you believing because you have a little money and you have a little status and you got some stuff, I want you to understand you have nothing. And you need to understand that. And you need to understand you're never going to be what God created you to be. You're never going to feel like you're truly fulfilled in Christ. You're never going to feel secure in him. You're never going to feel like you're truly victorious and an overwhelming conqueror because you're dependent on yourself and you're kind of in limbo and you're not really in him. You're not, you know, you got enough to kind of get by. And God's trying to say, that's not where it's at. And what you need to do is you need to repent. That word repentance is metanoia in the Greek. And it was, um, it was used in the business community for many years. And basically what it is, it's the, it's the experience or the explosion and then the process of change or transformation. And that's what God's calling us to in, in before this verse 20. He's saying, listen, you need to change. You need to become hot for me. You need to become fully given to me. You need to be willing to die for me. You need to be filled with my Holy Spirit and be my witnesses everywhere you go. You need to be that person that stands up and stands out and says, I am a man of God. I am a great woman of God. That's who I am. And I am not dependent on myself. I got some money. I got a little status. I got some stuff, but I don't depend on that at all. I repent. And when I repent, I am sorry for all of that. 
And my vision turns or is transformed or is changed to who God is and what he wants for me and what's out there in my relationship with him. And that's when he goes into verse 20 and says, listen, when you repent, I'm standing at your life's door and I'm a knocking. (laughs) And if you hear my voice, If you hear what this preacher says, if you hear me in my word, wherever, however, and you open your life's door and you let me come in, I will come in and we will sit down and we will learn to be intimate with each other, to enjoy each other, to dig into each other's lives, to learn to love each other, to learn to to understand how the other loves them to learn to understand how God Almighty wants to be intimately, meticulously, and intensely involved in every area of our lives. Wow. You see, I got issues, just like everybody else. I got temptations, just like everybody else. I've got things that sometimes I fail at, just like everybody else. Sometimes I I don't want to handle that because I just get frustrated and down. Sometimes I don't want to tell anybody, especially God, about those things. And God's saying, no, you have to understand, I'm not this big ogre in the sky looking to get you. He's saying, listen, I want to come and I want to be a friend to you. I want to be a friend to you that sticks closer than a brother. I want to be that friend to you that loves you so much that you know, and I know, and I did give up my whole life for you, die for you because you're my friend. That's the kind of friendship that Jesus Christ wants with you. And the next verse is so important because before he's talking about, I see your deeds, they're neither hot nor cold. You're dependent on yourself. You think you're rich and you're not. After after verse 20, he says, listen, the consequence or the result of this friendship is that you're going to be a person that is victorious. You're going to be a person that is an overwhelming conqueror. And so many people want that. So many people just would love to be there. And they hurt because they just don't feel like they can get there. And they try and they try and they try. And sometimes they fail and they fail and they fail. And God's saying, stop. Let me in. Let me come in to every area of your life, positive or victorious or negative and hurting and sometimes failing. Let me come in. And here's what I promise you. If you develop this friendship with me, I will make you an overwhelming conqueror. And one day you will enter my kingdom for eternity and you will sit with me on the throne of heaven in pure love, pure perfection, pure glory, Pure joy, pure peace, pure hallelujah. 
I don't know about you, <laughs> but that's what I want. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be self-sufficient. I want to repent and enter into a relationship with me and allow him to come into my life and enter into a relationship in a very meticulous way so that by his grace and by his power and by his healing, I might become that person that he created me to be in the first place, an overwhelming conqueror, one who rules and subdues, one who is, is, is fruitful and multiplies, one who is decisive, one that is loving, one that is looking at their life and says, I'm going to cultivate this world the way God would have me to cultivate it. That's what God wants for you this morning. I'll ask you one more time. Have you opened up that life's door and allowed God to come in And have an intimate, powerful, impactful relationship with you today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, show us whether we have that relationship today. And if not, then I pray that we would open up that door and allow Almighty God, God of love, God of grace, God of glory, God of healing, God of salvation to come right to the center of our lives, into every area of our lives. And Lord, if we do, then let us have a, a shout of hallelujah that rings from the center of who we are and radiates out to every person we come into contact with. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you give us the opportunity to repent and for you to come into our lives and make that eternal difference and give us eternal life. Praise your holy name. Amen.